0: What's going on, everyone? Welcome into the PFN Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Kyle Yates, and I'm your host. I can be found on Twitter at Kyle Y NFL. I am joined here today by the boys. That is Kyle Sapi. He can be found on Twitter at Kyle Sapi and That is Derek Tate. He can be found on Twitter at Derek Tate NFL. Gentlemen, how are we doing here
1: on this fine Tuesday morning? Doing good, and you na- you stuck the landing there on the day of the week. So we're off to a great start. We're flying into Week Five. We've- We've hit our stride here. I like where we're headed. We're in October. It's sweater season. Like, we're we're coming up upon where football feels just about right. Derek, how are you? Some of us have hit our
2: stride. I am still hanging on by a thread in some of my leagues. Some of okay. my takes, feeling pretty good about. Some of them not so much. But we're, we're progressing. We're moving along. So, sure. uh, And we did get the day right. The dismount was perfect. It's perfect <laughs> 10 out of
0: 10 on the start of the podcast. Let's do this. Uh, sweater season for you, Sappy. Uh, it is 84 degrees here in Michigan today, so I don't know what is going on here, but I would absolutely love to have sweater season, but I'm still rocking t-shirt and shorts over here because it's 84 degrees. Also, I will say I was thrown off. I did get the day right here, but I was thrown off because earlier today I told my son or my wife asked my son, she's like, do you know that it is Tuesday? He's five years old. She's like, do you know that it's Tuesday? He's getting into a very arrogant phase and stage right now where he's like, yeah, I know. Like, yeah, I know. Duh. And so I tried to throw him off. I was like, Landon, did you know that it's Wednesday today? And he was like, yeah. Right after that. So got him. Got him. So got him. But then also it threw off my brain of like, wait, actually, sure. what day is it? So, hey, I got it right here on the podcast. That's what counts. Let's get into some fantasy football talk here. Gentlemen, we got Cooper Cup returning to the field, most likely, as we were recording this here on Tuesday morning. We do not have official clarity on that. But most likely Cooper Cup returning to the field here for practice here, coming off of IR. What in the world do we do now with fantasy football's greatest superstar, Puka Nakua, as we have Cooper Cup
1: returning to the field? Sapi, I will start here with you. I think it's a little bit tricky because you're not going to catch anybody sleeping here. It's not like, oh, yeah, nobody knows the greatest receiver in fantasy football is coming back to fantasy. I should get rid of Puka before anybody has any idea what's going on. Sell him as the top five guy. So it's a little murky there in that you you can't really leverage what's going on. I guess there's going to be, and we'll see this with the Jonathan Taylor stuff too, that there's some uncertainty around C- Cooper Cup, right? I mean, nobody thinks he's going to come back and be the target monster the all-time great that he was right away initially at least maybe with time so I, i'm treating puka kind of the same way i'm treating christian kirk more of like a the wide receiver two in an offense that i kind of think can move the ball christian kirk obviously in theory behind calvin ridley he's produced ahead of him but i still think he's the number two in that offense so that's kind of where he settles for me not the wide receiver two like a Jalen waddle where it's a top 12 kind of guy but to me he's He's shown that he can earn targets at this rate. Why wouldn't he be a fantasy starter if not a superstar, but a starter still for me?
0: Derek, you predicted uh, and you went out on a limb saying Puka Nakua top 25 wide receiver rest of season uh, after week one. And Soppy and I kind of balked at that. But I you did. got that right. And so I'm going to turn to you. What do we do with Puka Nakua now? I'm not going to
2: say I got it right yet. We have to wait and see what he looks like in this offense. But I will say that once upon a time, this offense was able to sustain two pass catchers, even three if you include Brandon Cook's once upon a time with Jared Goff. But I believe that, you know, Cooper Cup is going to be the alpha in the room. Duh. But then... Yeah, Puka Nakua is going to slide right in and kind of that Robert Woodsy type of role. And I think he's still going to see consistent volume on a weekly basis with how much the Los Angeles Rams are throwing the football in 2023. And to me, that's okay. I I mean, we saw that this offense could sustain two receivers, you know, without Cooper Cup in the lineup with both Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell. So yeah, I mean, sure, he's not going to be a, a top 10 play every week anymore, but yeah, I still think he fits really nicely right around that 25 range, which is where I was kind of predicting that he would be once Cooper Cup got back into the fold. But we have to wait and see uh, how this offense shakes out once you know an all-pro comes back into
0: the fold. I'm really excited to see what the target opportunity is here for him. I'm obviously now a believer. We have to, right? We have to believe in what Pukuniku is doing. We're not going to predict that he's going to completely fade away. We're not also going to predict that he's going to continue to produce as a top 10 wide receiver, but I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see just what he does here. And if this is truly a matter of talent and that he's carved out the role or was it a matter of circumstance and just that because Cooper Cup was not in the lineup that Pukenuku was dominating the targets, I think that it's more so somewhat in the middle there. We'll see how it plays out. Let's move into rest of season risers and fallers here. Let's stick at the risers here for a second. Soppy, I will start here with you. Who is a player that has risen up the rest of season rankings
1: after week four? And I saw you tweeting about it during the games on Sunday. It's got to be James Cook for me. My man got some love inside the five-yard line, and that's all we need to see from him. This is, like, we've seen production we've seen efficiency we've even seen volume in an offense that doesn't run the ball a ton we're talking 17 touches a game so if you start giving him this inside the five inside the 10 work and he can score we're not worried about Damian Harris not worried about Latavius Murray to me that puts him in the running back one conversation rather easily in an offense that we trust to put points on the board we've seen Buffalo round into form after that embarrassing week one loss Uh, tell me otherwise why isn't he a running back one moving forward if this role is his Given what we saw in week four would you rather have james cook
0: over Ramondre stevenson for the rest of the year
1: cook not close i don't want any part of Ramondre stevenson i don't want any part of the patriots right now it's cook i think rather easily in that spot would you go with james cook or jonathan taylor rest of season yeah now that's just now you're just getting mean that's close i mean it's i'm gonna go i'm gonna take a bird in the hand is that how that saying goes i'm gonna take the guy that i know is at least on the field in a good offense that we've seen produced jonathan taylor you could tell me he's Jonathan Taylor goat status this weekend. You could tell me he doesn't play this season. So the fact that that range of outcomes obviously doesn't present itself with Cook, so give me Cook.
0: A bird in the hand is better than two in the bush, which is there it just is. a sentence that makes absolutely zero sense. Derek, no clue nice rest, done. Nice to done, Yates. Derek, rest of, rest of season riser for you. David Montgomery. So
2: let's just go ahead and put this a little bit in perspective. You know, Yates, I know you were super high on David Montgomery coming into the year, and as was I, one of my bold predictions was that David Montgomery was going to finish the season as the highest scoring fantasy back in Detroit. And he's missed one of the first four games, yet he is still vastly a higher scoring fantasy option out of this backfield than Jameer Gibbs through the first four weeks. 32 carries. What was it? I believe that, yeah, 32 times he touched the ball for 121 yards and three scores. To me, the Detroit Lions have clearly sent a message as to who the leading ball carrier is going to be. Look, Jameer Gibbs, very talented player, still love him for dynasty, but in the short term, David Montgomery, which I thought was uh, Jamal Williams plus heading into this season, has been exactly that. Did you know that David Montgomery leads the league in broken tackles and he's missed a game? He's playing at a high level. I get that. It's yeah, crazy. he's not as flashy as Jameer Gibbs, but the way that they want to, the, the identity that they want to have yep. being physical up front, they want a, you know, a, a more physical back to be their leading ball carrier. And that is exactly what David Montgomery has been in three out of the first four games this season, including week four's masterpiece of a performance.
0: It was crazy to me to see the gap in ADP between Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. And we talked about that here on this podcast. And we can go back and look at some of the YouTube comments that were just calling us idiots because we were saying draft David Montgomery as he's going off the board as the RB28 in drafts or whatever the case may be, getting him in the sixth and seventh round of drafts. And that was, a, that was a crazy gap to me because of the identity, because of lining up, because of how often this team was going to be in the red zone in the clear role that Dave Montgomery was going to have as the red zone back. Now, I did not even anticipate that he would be as productive as he has been so far this year. I think that he absolutely qualifies as someone that you are now looking Weekly as a top twelve, top fifteen at the lowest running back, especially as we move into bye weeks, running back here for fantasy football moving forward. Let's go over to rest of season. Fallers, Sapi,
1: I will start here with you. To me, it's George Pickens, and it's not really anything he's done. But you've got deontay Johnson coming back. You've got Kenny Pickett banged up. This goes to Mitch Trubisky, and we all kind of know where this story ends. That's a problem. The target volume has been there lately, but they're they've been building up Pickett and trying to get him to throw down the field. We saw him ranked twelfth in ADA. During the second half of last season, all preseason and the beginning of this season, they're trying to stretch the field, which plays right to Pickens' strength, which is great until Pickett gets hurt. And now we go to Mitch Trubisky where the offense, the development plan isn't going to be the same. The target volume might dip with Deontay coming back. And I'm not sure the targets mean much of anything. This Pittsburgh offense is struggling in a big way. I don't think that's going to change with the quarterback situation. Pat Friermuth going to be out for upwards of a month. That's going to attract more attention towards Pickens, So he's He's falling down my rest of season ranks, and I want no part of him in week five. All right, here's a crazy question that, you know,
0: you think that I'd be asking this in a much different light if we rewind a month, and now I'm going to ask it, and it's going to be like a gross question, but would you rather have George Pickens or T.
1: Higgins for the rest of the season? It's T. Higgins because there's, less, there's fewer moving pieces. And T. Higgins, I'm at least betting on Joe Burrow getting right, but that's at least... Joe Burrow. That's not Mitchell Trubisky. So it's a little bit different there. Give me T. Higgins in that spot.
0: You would think that, again, rewind a month, you would think that I'd be asking that question in, or we'd a, positive be, light. in yeah. a positive way. Like we're deciding between two top 10 wide receivers for fantasy. No, these guys are like outside the top 30 at this point. Derek, rest of season faller number one for you. We already kind of mentioned his name,
2: Ramondre Stevenson. Yeah. I mean, this guy was being drafted in the second round in a lot of fantasy drafts second third kind of that running back dead zone that we talked about and all of my concerns about Ramondre stevenson have kind of come to the forefront in the first month of the season and really this offense not producing a lot of scoring opportunities that's not a big surprise and the fact that mac jones got the hook in week number four and we saw a bailey zappy appearance that gives you a little bit of instability at the quarterback position which I I don't see a lot of positive signs that the new England Patriots offense is going to get right this season, but really it has a lot to do with Ramondre Stevenson's just lack of efficiency. I mean, every single contest this year, this season, he's failed to, you know, average more than three and a half yards per clip. I mean, and the thing that was kind of his saving grace, Soppy was his pass catching floor that we thought because he caught 69 passes last year, but Zeke has caught just as many passes as Stevenson over the last two games and they're pseudo kind of splitting work. And even with, so the volume isn't there as much as I want it to be. And the scoring opportunities certainly aren't there with this new England offense. There's just a whole lot of concerns, (laughs) a whole lot of concerns, and it doesn't look like the answers are you know, present as far as how they're going to get right on the offensive side of the football. So Ramondre Stevenson, who was right around that running back 15 range on a weekly basis, I think he falls outside of the top 24 moving forward.
0: I have plenty of misses, and trust me, we talk about those here on this podcast. But, Ramondre Stevenson, my strategy of avoiding the New England Patriots backfield for fantasy football has worked out very well over the previous 10 years. It did not work out well last year. Over the previous 10 years, it's worked out fantastic, and it looks to be the case here again this year. Let's move into some running back trade targets here, fellas. Let's talk about some players that we are going to look to acquire or trade away here in our fantasy football leagues going into week five. Sapi, I will start here with you. Who is your number one running back to buy?
1: Okay, so I made no bones about it this preseason that I was all in on Trevor Lawrence in the passing game of the Jacksonville really? Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, go figure. Not looking so good. Not good. Not a good first bump for your guy here. They're in London still trying to figure that stuff out, but <laughs> the running game looks just fine to me. Travis Etienne, 69 carries through four weeks that's more than double what he had at this point a season ago he's averaging more than a target per game ahead of his pace from last season they're using them all over the place trevor lawrence dialing back the 80 or the ADP, p to a dot a little bit which is hurting my guy calvin ridley but it's helping travis etn to get those consistent looks the consistent volume on the running game and you know how these teams script the first few plays of every game it was etn run etn run etn target to start week four i think this might be a low octane offense i don't want to admit that and i i'm as stubborn as anybody so i'm sticking with this past game is going to bounce back but etn very much involved a top 10 guy for me moving forward the thing
0: that we chase for acquiring players in fantasy football is opportunity we do not Mm -hmm. chase after touchdown production and inflated touchdown production maybe we'll talk about a running back here that has dramatically inflated touchdown production maybe maybe we'll talk about him you look at Travis Etienne over the previous two weeks, 24 opportunities and opportunities are carries and targets combined. And then in week four, 23 opportunities here, 24 and 23 opportunities. The previous two games has not really popped though, because he has not found the end zone since week one. So Travis Etienne, a perfect opportunity to go by low because the opportunities are there that signals that regression, positive regression will happen as we move throughout mm-hmm. the rest of the year. I do like the call here for Travis CTN Derek. Let's go to number one, running back to buy where are we going? Let's go
2: by low, and I'm going to go to a, a Ford lot, Jerome Ford. And hear me out. I know that the Cleveland Browns offense has looked rough over the last two weeks. And Jerome Ford has not you know, been super hyper-efficient with an expanded role with Nick Chubb out of the lineup over the last two weeks. I, I want to give a little bit of context, though. The Tennessee Titans don't allow rushing or running backs to go off. On a weekly basis, they're very stout against opposing rushing attacks. That's who we played in week three. Then in week four, you had a rookie quarterback, Dorian Thompson Robinson, starting getting his first NFL start against a stingy Baltimore defense that was probably playing with a chip on their shoulder after getting upset against the Indianapolis Colts in week number three. So it was just you, you want to throw out week four almost. What's encouraging, though, is Jerome Ford has still been the leading ball carrier. This team still wants to run the football. They're going to probably get Deshaun Watson back after their bye week. And, you know, right now they're heading into their bye. So that's something where Jerome Ford, you know, hasn't really produced. You know, I know he found the end zone twice against the Titans, but last week was a complete dud. There are carries going to Kareem Hunt. There are carries going to Pierre Strong, but – you know, Jerome Ford has eight broken tackles that actually ranks fifth in the NFL. And he only has 50 carries so far this season. This team still wants to run the football. I do believe he is the most talented back in this backfield. Eventually the talent will rise to the top. Jerome Ford has still been able to find the end zone, even though the efficiency hasn't been there quite yet. I do think they get right after the bye week. And I think Ford presents a very nice buy low opportunity. uh, And I, expect his role to expand moving on for
0: the rest of the season one of the big advantages that we have yet to talk about so far this year in fantasy football and trade conversations and all that sort of stuff because we haven't had to is bye weeks and acquiring players after their bye is behind them because that gives you a massive advantage to be able to send away a player who has yet to have their bye week And go acquire a player that has their bye week behind them. You get an extra game. You get an extra game from that player. And the casual fantasy manager is not thinking about that. So I will say, Jerome Ford, I do like the call. Tennessee, Baltimore, I'm really, like, and Tennessee, he produced, right? But Tennessee, Baltimore, like, I'm kind of throwing those games out the window for the various reasons that you talked about. Bye week here. And then you also do have San Francisco this next, uh, in week six after that. So maybe this is a situation where you circle the name Jerome Ford, and then you come back in week six and you go acquire him like that's something that i think you can consider too because at that point the buy will be behind him and he might not produce as a top 24 running back so you might be able to buy even lower than that case derek do you have anything to add yeah
2: yeah one more thing about those two matchups that he just had uh, there he actually leads a league in running backs that have been tackled for a loss I think a lot of that has to do with some of those efficiency issues, some of those matchups that they had. So I think it's a really good buy low window for Jerome Ford. I still believe in him as a talent. I yep. still see the pop when he gets the ball in his hands. I'm, I'm a believer in Jerome Ford. I just think it presents a nice window of them heading into their buy, and you can get yourself, I think, a lead back and a run-heavy offense. Um for the rest of the season at at a pretty reasonable price
0: weeks 15 and 16 as well Chicago and Houston in the Mm -hmm. fantasy playoffs those are matchups that you are going to want to get Jerome Ford into your starting lineup for Soppy let's move over to number one running back to sell I figured we
1: would be talking about this player let's talk about him all right I'm a man of the people I will fall on this sword for the two of you and everybody else here because somebody's got to say his name I said his name last week look like an idiot I said Josh Kelly over Devon a Chan in week four, that could not have been more wrong. Maybe it turns out Josh Kelly just isn't any, anywhere near good enough to put in that sentence. So, you know, egg on my face there. But the point remains on HN. He went off again. He got 11 touches and went bananas. Okay, I need to see a voluminous, is that I think Ooh. that's a word, a voluminous roll from him to where we can start expecting... Not this crazy efficiency. You can't keep banking on this. All right. So Christian McCaffrey, 2019, just over a fantasy point per touch. Yates, Derek, you guys are my age, ballpark my age. Ladanian Tomlinson, 2006, his best season, 1.1 fantasy points per touch. What do you think A-Chan is at right now? (laughs) It's got to be something like 4.5 or something like that. (laughs) 1.83. So he's basically 70% better than the best fantasy season from arguably the best fantasy asset of all time. Do we think he's 70% better on a per-touch basis than Ladanian Tomlinson? No. So I understand that it's only three weeks, that it's small sample size, all that stuff. It's going to rubber band back. This is still a pass-first offense. Roheem Moster, I understand he had the bad week four. It is what it is. Seven carries for nine yards. They got the brakes beat off him by Buffalo. It happens. He's still a committee back, in my opinion. I don't think he's getting upwards of 16 to 20 touches on a weekly basis. And so once this efficiency begins to dip to normalize even to Hall of Fame status. Like if he falls to Hall of Fame Fame status, you understand? He has to fall to that level. Then I think you can, cashing in that chip just makes too much sense right now in my opinion. All right, Derek, go ahead. So,
2: (laughs) Sapi, when we talked about Devon, Devon Achan, made sure I say his name correctly. I know, me too. Uh, I said that I would not be surprised if Achan is efficient with, 8 to 14 touches.
1: How many touches sure. did he see in Week 11? And it was 120 oh. yards and two touchdowns.
2: <laughs> so, I under like look, I didn't predict two touchdowns. That's why I ranked him at running back 24. If I was that bullish, I would have had him inside my top 10. I didn't. But I accurately predicted his involvement and he produced cuz he's an efficient back. Now, look, man, I I, just, <laughs> I don't get it. He's he's First in running, ya- running back yards per attempt for backs after contact for players that have seen more than twenty plus carries. So this isn't just like you know him popping one or two big runs. He's seen what twenty seven carries on the season, and mm-hmm. he's still averaging what like eleven yards a, a clip. I get that that's not well, going to he- maintain. <laughs> it's going to come back down. But he- you're talking. To- you've been banging the drum about getting pieces of. You know, yeah, no, you're right. Offenses all season long with James Cook and Isaiah Pacheco. And yeah, man, I mean, we saw in week two, I mean, Moser didn't just have a bad week, he fumbled twice in week four. So, know. is there any loyalty that's going to say, oh, well, Mostert's still the guy, and you know, H hand's going to be second fiddle? I think we're going to continue to see his role expand moving forward because he's the most dynamic and you know, highly efficient back in this you know, high powered Miami offense. I just,
0: oh what, what's zombie what's the line what's the line where you trade him away because i don't think that you're saying like this is, he's not going to continue to produce of course but it's what's the line where you're willing to send him away with is that you're trading devon h for
1: james connor no i wouldn't go that low i think right now you could get the guys we talked about earlier you might be able to get a travis Etienne for him given what hn is doing right now and the highlights he's producing and the insane production like if you could get ETN, I would. If you could get anybody of that ilk, if I mean I guess the line for me would be like a mid-range RB2 where I kind of think he settles, but I think you can get way more than that right now. Would you go Devon Achan? Would you uh
0: Devon Achan or Alvin Kamara?
1: 13, 13, 13 catches, catches for thirty-three, 33 yards. yards. <laughs> I think I cautiously would No. Nah, I think they're pretty similar, because I don't think you're gonna see I, Yeah, I mean, I think that's the right range. I would go A-chan barely because i am worried about Jamal Williams taking away from Kamara's touchdown equity. And if I'm going to have concerns about A-chan and his scoring equity in close and things like that, then I have to carry that over. But you're in the right ballpark.
0: All right, let's keep moving here, Derek. Let's send it back over to you. Number one, running back to sell.
1: Well, the Chicago
2: Bears offense made an appearance this season. How about that's nice, it? right? <laughs> yeah, let's do this. Can, can they just play the Denver Broncos every week? Um, so, Khalil Herbert. To me, this feels like an easy sell-high moment for Khalil Herbert. I love what I saw from him last week. You know, he thoroughly outplayed Roshan Johnson. It was what I expected to start the season from Khalil Herbert, to be honest with you. I mean, it was. It did not, he saw five targets in the passing game, four receptions. Also caught a touchdown pass and and rushed for over 100 yards on 18 carries. This offense looked right against a defense that obviously is having all kinds of issues right now. But unfortunately, they're not going to play the Denver Broncos again this season. This week, they're going to be playing Washington. So could we go back to seeing somewhere like sub-10 carries if this offense struggles to move the ball against the commanders? We could. You know, the first three weeks were, were pretty rough. Uh, for Khalil Herbert, to say the very least. So I think this presents a very nice sell-high window to get out of this Bears backfield. Sure, you can say, okay, well, you know, I'm encouraged. I want to see more. Okay, if you want to see more of the Bears offense, that's fine. But Boo. I think it just presents a nice opportunity to go ahead and get out of this offense.
1: Uh,
0: see more of the Bears. I want to see more of the Bears offense, said no human on earth ever. No. Uh, would you go Khalil Herbert or Alexander Madison for the rest of the year? There's cases to be made on either side of that.
2: Sure. I mean, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Alexander Madison over the last two weeks, as opposed to just one big game from Khalil Herbert against the league's worst defense. So I'll actually go with Alexander Madison, even though Cam Akers had himself a, a little bit of an efficient debut in a Vikings uniform. But I'll go with Alexander Madison.
0: It's crazy what Alexander Madison can do when he's not facing the Philadelphia Eagles defense (laughs) and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers run defense to start the year. Uh, Gentlemen, the NFL season keeps rolling, which means that we get to talk about some really cool, exciting, new exclusive offers. Underdog Fantasy is now offering new customers that sign up with the promo code PFN, or you can click the link in your description, a deposit match up to $500 through October 4th. Just one more day to take advantage of this one. Plus a mystery Pick'em special in the Pick'em lobby to use right from the start. All you have to do is click the link in your podcast or show description, sign up, make your first deposit for access, and you will find the special player that you got right there in the Pick'em lobby. I think you're going to want to take advantage of that. Oh, yeah. So sign up now with the code PFN and take advantage of this ridiculously awesome offer today. Let's move into wide receiver trade targets here, Sapi. I will send it to you. Number one wide receiver to
1: buy. Yeah, hey, give me some Terry McLaurin. I mean, listen, you mentioned the schedule a few, just a minute ago for Madison. And it's been brutal for McLaurin. Like he, the past few weeks, he's had to go through the Broncos, which I get the Broncos defense. You know, it is what it is. But Patrick Sertan's a hell of a player. And right. that's where McLaurin was stuck. He played the Bills. He played the Eagles. He's got these tough cornerback matchups out of the way. He's, see, don't get me wrong. The Washington schedule isn't light moving forward, but he averaged over 11 fantasy points in those three tough matchups. I think Sam Howell's only going to be better. I mean, we saw the zero touchdown, four interception game. In week three, he was a little bit better in week four, leading the comeback to inevitably lose. But they got there. I think McLaurin's best days are ahead of him. Don't get me wrong. He's still a big name. But I think you can get a little bit of a discount here because the numbers aren't quite to what you would have projected for him coming into the season. So McLaurin, like a fringe top 15 guy for me. And I don't think he's going to cost you that in the trade market right now. We talked about...
0: The Washington wide receiver situation on the waiver wire podcast just yesterday talking about Curtis Samuel and looking at the next four matchups, right? We talked about the matchups to begin the year, but the next four matchups for Washington are Chicago, Atlanta, New York Giants, which... Good night after last night. Oh I think my. that that's a Dude. matchup that we're going to be wanting to target. And then the Philadelphia Eagles again, which he just went 10 targets for eight receptions, 86 yards. So those next four matchups are really, really favorable for Terry McLaurin. I think there's the opportunity to buy low on him. Derek, I do see that you want to say something here about Terry Well, I was McLaurin.
2: just curious. Sapi. are you concerned at all that there's actually three receivers that have seen north of 20 targets in this offense? I mean, Curtis Samuel has been a little bit more involved than I thought. Dotson has just one fewer target than McLaurin on the entire season so is there any concerns about this just being a not receiver by committee but just to like a lot of mouths to feed and and mclaurin not being the having the dominant target share that we've seen in the past
1: there's some thought there i mean it's two big target games and two tar- two down target games for dotson i maybe it stems from me just not being a curtis samuel guy like i don't think he's a target earner i think he's more of a gadgety work things out flex screens like get I, i'm not worried about him subtracting from mclaurin's bottom line and listen we've seen it even with those numbers you just gave us over 11 points a game against these three tough defenses so as the defenses lighten he's going to be open more i would think so uh, yeah i'm i'm in on him i just looking at it right now have him just over puka the rest of the way for uh for reference
0: all right derek let's send it to you number one wide receiver to buy
2: this one's pretty easy chris Olave. I was really high on Chris Alave this past week and he put up a dud against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It was the first time all season where an opposing number one wide receiver did not go over a hundred yards and go off against the Bucs secondary. So I think a lot of that had to do with Derek Carr though. Derek yes. Carr did not look right. There were yeah. multiple throws down the field where a popped open and those vertical throws down the field just weren't there. I think that shoulder injury bothered. Derek Carr a little bit more than we would like to admit, but Olave's still fifth in air yards. He still has a 27% target share. If anybody is panicking on Chris Alave, please go out and get him. I think Derek Carr will eventually get healthy, and if he continues to struggle, then we may see Jameis Winston, who has no problem chucking the ball deep to double, double or triple coverage. So better days are ahead for Chris
0: Alave. I absolutely loved seeing Jameis Winston come in and immediately throw an interception. <laughs> and I did have the thought. I mean, he finished oh for oh for one with zero yards and one interception. Like that was his stat line. So I did have the thought. I was like, there were some people that thought that Jameis Winston was going to start this week. They probably did not make the change in their starting fantasy football lineup if they did plug in Jameis Winston and he ended he got them negative points. Uh if they had just left him in their starting lineup. I did have that thought. Um Derek. Puka Nakua for Chris Olave. With Cooper Cup coming back, are you oh making God. that trade? Are you shipping away Puka Nakua to go get Chris Olave? Yeah, I mean, I
2: have Nakua just inside my top 24 for the rest of the season, and then I have Olave inside my top 12. So, yes.
0: Pretty easy decision there. All right, Soppy, let's send it over to you. Number one wide receiver to sell.
1: This one hurts my soul. And I think it's going to hurt you too, Cox. I know we were both on Gabe Davis coming into the year, and you would think three touchdowns in, or a touchdown in three straight games would be would be airing the tires, but I'm not liking the advanced profile here. You've seen, in my opinion, we're seeing Josh Allen grow as a quarterback, which is great for Allen, great for the Bills long-term. I have my worries about Gabe Davis when it comes to fantasy. The dots down over 18% this year from last for Josh Allen. He's completing a high percentage of his passes, but that's because they're not traveling downfield, which is where Gabe Davis makes his money. Three straight games under five rush attempts for Josh Allen. Just further proof that he is changing he's developing which is great again for if the bills want to win a super bowl i think moves like this are the way to do it if you want gabe davis to win you a fantasy championship to me this isn't something i love to see no more than four targets in three or four games this year it's a problem he isn't developing into the consistent target earner that we thought he would and if this offense is trending away from deep shots instead of toward it i think now now might be your might be peak value for gabe davis in 2023
0: there were a ton of people that were definitely torn on what to do with Gabe Davis this year. So this is a situation where like, if you just look at the production and the role and the external metrics and everything that you just mentioned, it's like, yeah, you ship off Gabe Davis. However, the value that what he's doing and the name recognition and people that are like, I've been burned by Gabe Davis before, I'm not going to go out there and pay top dollar for him. So that I want to find that line of like where we ship Gabe Davis off and where we're comfortable doing that. Would you ship off Gabe Davis for T Higgins this year?
1: Yep. Yeah, I would take T Higgins. I'll bet on that.
0: All right. Would you go Gabe Davis or Deontay Johnson coming off of IR here soon?
1: I want more information on Pickett before I'm doing that. I'm not trading for anything attached to Pittsburgh until we know Pickett is back sooner than later, which it doesn't really sound great. That's a, uh, that, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with that
0: one. Uh, Gabe Davis or Jacoby Myers here is the last Come one. Come
1: on, I knew that was, co- I was, I could not have been more confident that you were going to throw his name in there. I'm going Jacoby Myers. Trade Gabe Davis for Jacoby Myers, right meow and do it, do it fast. All right, Derek, your number one wide receiver to sell. Where are we going? i'm not buying
2: a resurgence for Cortland sutton quite yet very encouraged by what we've seen three touchdowns in the first four weeks certainly has been better than i expected heading into this season but I'm still trying to read through the lines I mean there's been two games where he only had five targets and he found the end zone in both of those contests both of those contests were weeks that he posted fewer than 35 receiving yards uh, the, the touchdown production I think is you know going to be volatile I don't think he's going to continue to score you know three out of four games so and, and not to mention this Denver offense while they pulled off a miraculous comeback against the Chicago Bears and they they will be throwing the ball because it looks like their defense is going to put mm-hmm. them in a the hole every right. single week. Um, you know, Cortland Sutton still only saw five targets last week, so I, I'm I'm willing to sell high on Cortland Sutton just because I don't believe that we're going to see this continue as far as his his touchdown production.
0: That's another one with Gabe Davis where it's like the production and then the name value in the previous history from a fantasy perspective. You're probably not going to be able to fetch top dollar. So I do want to find that line with Sutton as well. Would you go Cortland Sutton or Michael Thomas the rest of the way? Michael Thomas. Would you go Cortland Sutton or Drake London the rest of the way?
1: Oh oh no gotta be Sutton. come on come
0: on oh no i'll go sutton yeah. because at least they throw the ball that's yep that's fair uh would you go courtland sutton here or jordan addison the rest of the way jordan addison all right let's move into some quarterback and tight end trade targets here Sampy, i will send it to you your number one quarterback to buy
1: You mentioned leveraging bye weeks earlier in the podcast, and I think that's sharp. I think that's a good way to go, but I'm going to use it to get me a discount here. Justin Herbert, we saw him with basically a club on his left hand, and now he goes on bye. So we saw him throw for under 200 yards, really wasn't all that inspiring through the air. He had the two rushing touchdowns last week. I get it that the fantasy numbers were there, but if you're dealing with people that watch football, Justin Herbert made a few nice throws, but he looked awfully uncomfortable and banged up. So now you get a bye week, to get him healthy, you get a bye week to adjust and get Callum Moore working on this offense, sans Mike Williams, and hopefully you get a bye week to get Austin Eckler right. I think the Justin Herbert you see coming out of the bye is much more valuable than the one you see going into it. So I think you can try to trade for him this week, understanding that you might get a discount because he's not playing this week because he's on a bye. So if that is the thought process, maybe if the Justin Herbert manager is one in three, They're panicking, they're scrambling, and they don't have a quarterback now. You can get them at a discount. Embrace that discount. Plug in whoever you want for this week. If you get a Jordan Love or somebody like that and move on, get past this week, Herbert, you're playing the long game, not the short game to win fantasy titles.
0: All right, Derek, let's send it over to you, your number one quarterback to buy.
1: I was really high on him
2: coming into this season. I was a believer in what I saw in his five starts last year, and that's the quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Mr. Brock Purdy himself, and he's
1: been pretty
2: good. There's a pun there for you. I got you. Look, he leads the league in air yards per attempt. Would you have guessed that from Brock Purdy (laughs) through the first four weeks of the season? To me, that's crazy. And he's among the league leaders in pocket time, which is simply the average time it takes him to throw the ball or getting pressure at 2.3 seconds that's just a tenth of a second slower than Tua Iloa, who gets the ball out of his hands very quickly. He's in command of this offense. He clearly understands how to operate this Shanahan system. And the fantasy production has been there. I mean, it's been five touchdown passes, two rushing touchdowns as well. And then, you know, every, like, three out of the four weeks, he's scored more than 20 fantasy points. I just, you know, I understand why people aren't, like, going aggressively at brock purdy and, and ranking him in their top 10 but he feels like such a safe option that gives you that weekly floor that you can count on in an explosive offense and he's been without brandon iuk for a game and this yep. this this offense is humming through the first month of the season so i'm i'm fully on board with brock purdy being you know a, a fringe top qb1 uh for the rest of the season
0: One of the situations that I do have, I like, I don't know the answer to, so I want to throw it out to you guys. Would you rather have Brock Purdy or Joe Burrow for the rest of the season? Like Burrow at some point has to bounce back, right? We cannot continue to get this from Joe Burrow for the rest of the year. So if there's an opportunity to buy low, then I'm willing to do that. However, I can't absorb the risk of acquiring Joe Burrow and then plugging him into my starting lineup over the next two weeks and taking losses in my fantasy matchups because he just is not getting it done. So I just don't know what to do with this. Derek, I'll start here with you since you brought up Brock Purdy. Would you rather have Brock Purdy or Joe Burrow for the rest of the year?
2: Purdy gives you a more reliable floor right now. Of course, Burrow has a way higher ceiling, but Burrow isn't right right now. And like you said, I mean, what was it like? He's had three performances out of four weeks where he's failed to score, what, 10 fantasy points? Like, I rough. get it. Joe Burrow is an MVP candidate when he's right, but he's not right right now. And throw in the fact that we don't know if T. Higgins is going to be available. He's going to have to rely on, you know, obviously Jamar Chase, but Tyler Boyd as his number two. I mean, is this offense really going to be able to operate at full strength to return on that value that in that ceiling that we know and we've seen from Joe Burrow in the past he doesn't look right so
0: right now Brock Purdy sounds crazy Joe Burrow finishing outside of the top 20 quarterbacks every single week so far this season from a fantasy standpoint Sapi what about that side for you Brock Purdy or Joe Burrow
1: I'll go ahead and take the other side. I'll go Joe Burrow here. I mean, you want to know what gets you right? It could be Arizona and Seattle the next right. two weeks. So there, there is that. T. Higgins, the injury is obviously a concern. But to me, this is more a roster construction question than anything. If you're trading away Joe Burrow, your team's probably 1-3. You might be 0-4. You are struggling. And if I'm struggling, I'm probably not a high-floor quarterback away from improving. So to me, I'm chasing the upside just given the, where you likely are in the standings. If somehow you're Joe Burrow team is three and one then by all means go for this because that means you're loaded elsewhere you can take your 16 17 points from Brock Purdy right and that that's plenty that's fine that's all you need from the position but if you're struggling and trying to make up ground and your roster might not be as good as you'd hoped it had been then you need to take some chances and to me Burrow offers the higher ceiling two favorable matchups coming I would go that way assuming that's your position
0: all right let's keep moving here Soppy your number one tight end to buy where
1: are we going I'm out on rookie tight ends, but Dalton Kincaid. I mean, come on, he's running around on 77% of his snaps last week. That's high. Uh, Dawson Knox was under 50%. Out-targeted Knox five to one. So I mean, you're starting to see kind of a turning of or a changing of the guard, a turning of the leaf. What, a, however, those I'm terrible with sayings. But, changing of the guard is good. Yep. Okay, that'll work. Approved. Appreciate that. So a changing <laughs> of the guard, where he is moving into this tight end one role. They're gonna have two tight ends on the field. Because that's, that's what they're doing these days. They told us that when they drafted Kincaid, that they're going away from three receivers, going two tight ends. Believed them, and they're doing it. So Knox is going to continue to be on the field. But if he's not earning targets the way Kincaid is, you guys have mentioned I love these high-scoring offenses. Buffalo is as much. They don't have a third pass catcher in that offense. And if I'm down on Gabe, somebody's got to pick up the, wide, the number two option in that offense. Kincaid, for me, a top 10 tight end. I'll be at a low one the rest of the way.
0: Kincaid... Drafted as, I mean, tight end 12 off the board in most spots coming and into I the year. It. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, all of us were like, no, it's not. that's not where you should be drafting. Dalton Kincaid has finished outside of the top 16 tight ends every single week so far this year. Now, that was a really bad voice crack. The that year, was, yeah. It was <laughs> really <laughs> rough. So as we look at Dalton Kincaid and acquiring him in fantasy, are we are we like, are we acquiring him? We're buying low. Cause you can definitely do that because expectations have not been met, but if you go acquire him or then you immediately plugging him into your starting lineup, or is this, I'm stashing him on my bench until we start to see this gradually start the production start to tick up
1: because he plays tight end and that you can swallow. Like if he has four catches for 20 yards, that doesn't kill you at the tight end position. It just doesn't. So I'm willing to trade for him. I am fully against rostering two tight ends. So if you're going to trade for him, if it's me, I'm plugging him right in right away. I've got him as a Tight end one this week. I expect that to be the case more often than not moving forward, just given his role, his expanding role, in an explosive offense.
0: All right, Derek, let's send it back over to you. Number one tight end to buy.
2: I keep banging this tight end drum, and it's the tight end down there in Arizona. Zach Ertz. <laughs> he dropped a touchdown pass, guys. He did. Like in, in the closing seconds. Josh Dobbs put it right on the money in the closing moments, like second to last play of the of regulation. This Arizona offense has been better than we thought. It's just, it has. Joshua Dobbs has been better than we thought. And the involvement from Zach Ertz continues to be there. It's not like an outlier where he sees one game where it's 10 targets and then, you know, he disappears. He's had three games where he's seen more than eight targets. And the receptions have been there. Like, he leads all tight ends with a 24% target share. And he's only second in the league in total targets behind TJ Hawkinson. So what are we doing here? Zach Ertz is, for me, a guy that you're going to be able to reliably put in your lineup in PPR formats. And, you know, if he starts getting a little bit of positive touchdown regression moving forward, I mean, he he can sneak inside the top five on any given week with this type of volume.
0: It is important to note here too, Zach Ertz tied for the third most red zone targets at the tight end position here so far this season. You know who's number one? I was shocked to see this. You know who's number one?
1: If you tell me it's Gerald Everett, you are getting it a is not. stern looking it is, at. <laughs> it's
0: definitely not. Uh, Jake Ferguson. Jake Ferguson okay. with 11 red they, zone targets they up live this in the point red of the year. Zone. The yeah. next closest is TJ Hawkinson with seven. So Jake Ferguson out in front by a healthy margin there. I was definitely surprised to see that. Soppy, let's send it over to you. Number one quarterback to sell.
1: And I'm going to keep doing this because Green Bay looks okay and they keep winning some games. So, But it's going to be Jordan Love for me again. I'm a Packers fan, don't get me wrong, but this feels like a bubble that's ready to burst. He, I get that he got there for fantasy managers last week. It wasn't pretty. Overshooting def- or, over, overshooting offensive guys, throwing it two defenders. <laughs> it, it scared me. Uh, I get that Christian Watson's going to be better. He's going to be more involved. He's going to run more than the 20 routes and challenge teams down the field. but. As much as he's stretching the field, they aren't super accurate passes, and I get that they can hit from time to time, and that the rushing has been positive, like he's getting touchdowns in that way, but I'm scared. Like If you look at his fantasy points per pass attempt, week one, 0.87, week two, 0.72, week three, 0.28, last week on Thursday night, an embarrassing loss against the Lions, 0.27. That's a trend going in the wrong direction, and I still don't think this is an offense that's trying to throw the ball 35, 40 times a game as Aaron Jones works his way back. I think you see more balance, fewer attempts, and if fewer attempts at his low completion percentage. I'm worried about Jordan Love moving forward, sustaining what he's done through a month.
0: I think that we have to be worried, but at the same time, that schedule for Green Bay, I keep coming back and looking at it, and I'm like, yeah. my word, this is beautiful from a fantasy standpoint. So Jordan love, I think that is a situation where you sell only for the right quarterback, where you only sell if you're getting one of those guys within the top eight Trevor Lawrence. If that, in that conversation, like those guys that have the rushing upside as well, that's where I'm making that move. Derek, let's send it back over to you. Number one quarterback to sell.
2: This guy just had a career day and he was the guy that I said was my quarterback one overall. And I've, Probably going to have to eat those words at some point you know, when uh, the receipts get pulled. But for one week, Justin Field looked the part. Yeah. The problem is, do I trust Luke Getze? Do I trust that this offense is going to look like it did again moving forward um, when they're not playing the Denver Broncos? I can't definitively say that. So the fact that he threw for over 300 yards, four touchdown passes, that's awesome. So it gives me, it encourages me that possibly better days are ahead for Justin Fields. But if anybody believes in that ceiling, and like you said, invested in like Joe Burrow or another quarterback, if you can sell high on Justin Fields to get out of this Chicago passing offense, I would entertain it for the right price. I hope that Fields can build off of this. I don't trust Luke Getzey. We still didn't see essentially any designed quarterback runs. The rushing floor is what made me so high on Fields, and that hasn't been there through the first month of the season. So if I'm just relying on Justin Fields as a pure passer, I don't think that he has that top five ceiling. Sure, we saw it in in week four against the worst defense in the league. If if he doesn't start getting involved more on the ground, if we don't see more designed quarterback runs, that's where I think Fields is more around that, you know, eight to 15 range on a weekly basis, instead of being a guy that, you know, can sneak inside my top one to seven in the rankings and give you that quarterback one ceiling on a weekly basis, because the rushing floor just has not been there from what we saw in 2022.
0: I think that anyone who has rostered Justin Fields up to this point has witnessed the first three weeks, the disappointment was ready to completely move on and then see this big performance in week four. And they go, okay, yeah, completely. Like if I can get rid of him, I'm sending out the trade offers. The thing that the other side of this that I will just say, let's let's pump the brakes maybe just a little bit is that in week five is Washington, which they're allowing 30 points per game or something like that. Like it's ridiculous. They're not a stout defense. So that is a situation where you can potentially look at Washington here as, and Justin Fields as a, a solid start here again this week. And then week six, Minnesota, week seven, Las Vegas, week eight, the Los Angeles Chargers. Like those are really good matchups from a passing quarterback perspective. I agree though. We do need to see the rushing volume, the rushing opportunity tick back up in order for Justin Fields to get back into that top tier. That's just the other side of that conversation though, that I did. No, want to I I agree. Out.
2: I I like that you pointed it out. I I do have some concerns, though, that they're going to be able to hold up in protection this week against the Washington Commanders, but we'll see. It was certainly a great performance. I hope he builds off of it.
0: The other... Side of that too, Tevin Jenkins coming off of IR, one of their stout offensive linemen, which is something yep. that could definitely help with that. We'll see. All right, let's fly through the tight end position here as far as players to sell, because there's not really many noteworthy names that we even need to. If we've got again, we talk about this every week. If you've got a tight end that's actually producing, you're not looking to ship them off. So, Sampia, I will start here with you. Who's the tight end that you're considering moving away from?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not uh, moving away from. Relative, I don't think anybody. I don't think there's a big trade market out there for Janu Smith, but. Six plus targets in three straight games. I get the encouragement and we preach every week that you should just chase volume at the tight end position because it's so hard to find. It was Derek's whole Zach Ertz thing is that he's getting looks and you can't, at a position where looks don't exist. If we didn't think this offense could sustain Kyle Pitts, what makes us think a veteran tight end in a tight end committee is going to be any better? I get that he produced 95 yards, six catches, all that good stuff. Looked fine in London, but come on. He's not a top 10 guy. I'm not sure he's a top 15 guy. I'm not even 100% sure. He's the best tight end on his own team for fantasy moving forward. No, I'm not not falling into this trap. I will continue to stream the position and throw my darts elsewhere. I'm not banking on anything in that passing game, period.
0: You know who has the 12th most targets at the tight end position so far this season?
1: I'm going to say it's probably Johnny Smith, and I'm kind of shocked he wasn't higher.
0: Isn't that crazy? Uh, Here we are. Here we are. Uh Derek, let's send it back over to you. Number one tight end to sell.
2: Feels like I'm selling every Chicago Bear this week. Not a bad but... strategy. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Cole Komet scored two touchdowns. I thought he played I thought he played really well. Um, you know, seven catches, eighty five yards, and two scores. That's a great day at the office. Um problem is is prior to that, he've never topped 45 yards receiving in a given week. Um, so I just don't know if I see any sort of encore performance moving forward for Cole commit. Uh, again, I hope I'm wrong cause I, I'm super high on fields coming into this season. I'm just a little skeptical about, uh, the, the production that we saw through the air in week number four against the Denver Broncos. So for that being the case, you know, Cole commit right now in, in PPR formats is the tight end three, um, and a lot of it had to do with that monster week, twenty-seven point performance. <laughs> so I'm not a, I'm not a believer in Cole Komet, uh, but certainly that, that production in week uh, in week four maybe but may be able to entice somebody to make some sort of offer um, at the tight end position.
0: Cole Komet tight end three, like you said, DJ Moore, the wide receiver, thirteen and half PPR scoring through four weeks. If you ask someone where DJ Moore ranks from a fantasy perspective through four weeks, they'd be like wide receiver 37 on the year or something like that. Nope, wide receiver 13. Crazy the perception here of the Chicago Bears offense. We'll see if it can continue to bounce back in the right way. All right, that'll do it here for Trade Targets uh, podcast here, heading into week five. Appreciate you guys dropping your knowledge here and the information here to help people continue to build some dominant fantasy football rosters here. Make sure, if you have not done so, go over to pfnfantasy.com. That is where all of our written content lives. We are cranking out the content every single day here for you guys. Not only these two gentlemen here, but also Jason Katz, who's on our team here, and a fantastic team of fantasy football writers here as well, cranking out the content at pfnfantasy.com. Additionally, too, if you're listening to this, head over to youtube.com slash at pfnfantasy. You can find the podcast over there as well. The subscriber count continues to rise and rise. All right, that'll do it. For Derek Tate and Kyle Soppy, I'm Kyle Yates. Thanks for watching, and we'll see you next time.